0: It's a I see dead people awesome. Here's Johnny Stop, Stop. <laughs> fuck you too Spooky scary skeletons and shivers down your spine Shripping skulls will shock your soul and seal your duty night I
1: was gonna say I usually give a countdown, but just do a couple, you know, sound checks or snaps or whatever, snap, to make
0: sure your levels are coming through okay. Looks great. As long as I don't um, cough directly into the mic, we should be fine.
1: <laughs> okay, that's fine. I've definitely started episodes like that before, or, <laughs> just bother people blowing it out. <laughs> Is you know how how do you want to start? Uh, can we start with some vocal warm ups like oh!
0: the tip, the teeth, the tip Let's of the tongue, something like that? I don't know. I never did that shit. <laughs> the human
1: torch <laughs> was denied a bank loan.
0: Uh, the arsonist has oddly shaped feet. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. So
1: I am going to start the episode with uh, with taking a nice I'm taking a nice deep hit from some from some herb that I just picked up, I picked up a half ounce. I oh, sick. Parsley. Because I'm time. Because I'm having
0: <laughs> oregano. Which one of those?
1: I am, uh, I am having a Halloween party with my uh, with my lots of pasta local friends uh, on Saturday, and I'm rolling uh, I'm rolling mad blunts, and I had a little bit left over extra, so here I am. Mm, yeah, with uh Ramsey's Ramsay's VanderSlice online recording uh, from from across this great and wonderful. Uh, country, and uh, I'm I'm dipping into some of that nature's nature's own nature's finest
0: uh, smoke. If you got them, nature's valley. Wait, nature's own is that uh, Paul Newman? Who's what's the? It's Paul Newman. Yeah. It's Paul yeah. Newman. Okay. 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 I got you. He
1: supports this.
0: He's, he supports what I'm he's doing. This is official sponsor of this episode. Nice, <laughs> man. Oh, I'm gonna get sued. Oh, it's f- yeah. Well, it's fine.
1: Uh, sat so, you can't. I don't think he's real. Time. I don't
0: think I've only ever seen still. Fo- he's like he's not a person. It's just an illustration. I don't think that's a real guy. They're uh, I'm gonna have is...
1: a very angry floating head show up at my door tomorrow. <laughs> he's gonna yell at me about
0: lemonade and
1: tortilla chips.
0: God damn! You're gonna get jumped by Paul Newman and Trader Joe in a back alley. Gets... Oh
1: Jesus! That's that's like the worst too. For I need like a vegan girlfriend to save me. Beat you
0: to death with a decorative gourd. the season. God knows they're everywhere. <laughs> they're right just now. gonna find one. Uh, okay, oh, I'm, I'm great. excited for these names. I'm very excited for Mr. Grabs. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna phone in these other two are stories.
1: We, are we immediately talking about what's on today's plate?
0: Uh, I just, I just, I wanted to put it out there right in the beginning. The other two stories are dog shit. I'm not. I don't. I haven't looked at them. I'm not gonna put anything into them. Mr. Grabs, but Mr. Grabs is gonna be like a Tony Oscar. Uh, there okay, will be an adaptation so... at some point, probably.
1: Pro. Yeah. Starring you? Yes. Yeah. I mean, not it, goes, as it goes without saying. Grabs. Grabs is the antagonist in the story. I, t- I think we'll get we'll get like Jack Nicholson. Okay. To play Mr. Grabs. Um. I was gonna say Kevin Spacey, and then I like thought about it for a little well, bit. I mean, like I he like, is sh- an antagonist. I really like, shouldn't. I really shouldn't. <laughs> he is That's good a bit person. on the nose. Next thing you know, it'll be directed by Brian Singer. Mm. Mm. Should probably stay away from that. So. Uh, today, on today's smattering, which is what I'm calling uh, these episodes where we hop around, um, the show was kind of built on these episodes, Ramses. so it's interesting that this is your second one and that we didn't start you with this, and that's just because I know what type of person you are, uh, theatrical, you know, theatrically speaking.
0: Long-winded. Um, is that what you're trying to say? <laughs>
1: So I knew you wanted to read about premature sex at a Bible camp. Yes. And that's, you know, yeah, that's why we that read is... what we read on the first episode. So we are back. We are approaching episode 200. I wanted to kind of gather everyone at least once more before we get to the big 200. And, and I needed to do another episode with you. So we're going to do a smattering and a smattering. For anyone who is listening from pre-episode 100, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We're going to read from our top three sources. Uh, The top three sources I get my stories from are Creepypasta, Reddit No Sleep, and Unsettling Stories. Creepypasta and Reddit No Sleep are public submissions. They are wild cards. They, They... Tend to go in multiple different directions. I think creepypastas tend to deal more with ghosts or monsters or creatures. I think No Sleeps tend to be more paranormal, a little bit more spiritual, Mm a little bit more thriller. They tend to have a little bit of, you know, uh, growth. Whereas I would say Unsettling Stories is all written by the same guy. He, He... he does an entire website. He puts it oh. all up for free. It's you know, I'm just giving him, you know, credit, uh, unsettling stories. Just Google it. This guy writes a bunch of crazy fiction. We've read anything from, unfortunately, vor mm. to funny little ghost stories about uh, a little girl who uh, who gets caught up in, like, a voodoo masterpiece uh, and, and stupidly, stupidly narrates... Um, accurately as like a teenage girl throughout the entire story like for example uh, this I'm um, this is a shout out to my girl Madison all right Madison okay Madison's so Madison's stories from unsettling stories are all written from the perspective of like a 16 year old girl Okay. but she's dealing with haunted shit so she'll She'll be like, oh my god, so today, like, I was trying to go kiss my boyfriend and I realized he was a zombie. I was (laughs) was trying to do it.
0: I was attempting. Damn.
1: So that, we have read a lot of uh, that side of unsettling stories before on other episodes. I don't think that's the kind of unsettling we're going to get into today. But you never know. Because that guy's uh, palette and spectrum is wild. Okay. So... These episodes tend to be all over the place, and that's, you know, a part of the nature, um, because we are all reading, Uh, you and I are each swapping on stories, and I think, ultimately, what we're gonna do is almost a uh, best-of-the-worst type of situation, where we... We put the creepypastas head-to-head, head, we decide which one is better, we put the no-sleeps head-to-head, we decide which one is better, and for Unsettling Stories, and then we put them all up against one another, uh, you know, the tops, and then we decide which one,
0: you know, came out strongest over the entire episode. Yeah, hell yeah, short story Battle Royale, I'm, I'm about it.
1: Pretty much, pretty much, yeah, the, the online fiction dumpster trash fire, um... Of of all episodes, we I'm I'm naming this one Guess Who, and I'm naming it Guess Who because all we're reading are pronoun based stories. All I know from the titles is based on a name. So, uh, yeah. Do Do you just want to jump right into it, or do you have anything you know fun that you want to talk about before we get into the stories? Um,
0: apropos of nothing, I do want to say this, and I, you'll probably end up cutting this. Did you know that the the, <laughs> the woman's name Madison? wasn't a woman's name until the movie splash came out with tom hanks (laughs) with tom hanks yeah this isn't this isn't a joke apparently that movie is what popularized the the woman's name madison the name madison Uh, i did
1: not know that i am not gonna cut that yeah what a wonderful tidbit it's very weird because in the
0: movie you know she's a mermaid and she doesn't know anything and she learns english in one day and then she chooses the name Madison. He's like, that's not a name. And I was like, stupid shit, Tom Hanks. He doesn't even know Madison's a name. <laughs> and it turns out I'm the idiot. So, yeah, that's all. That's just all I wanted to tell you. What a wild movie. I, still, I watched it.
1: You should still stick with it and still call Tom Hanks is a, a stupid fuck. No, he is.
0: In that uh, movie, he's a he's a dumb piece of shit. That's, like, unaccountably true. But I do feel bad. I, I you know, I, I jump to conclusions. Which you shouldn't. You should never do when watching. Which Splash. you should
1: not do. You should always. Um, you
0: should be, pay close attention to that movie. It's a, it's a, sh- it's a shitty shape of water. Specifically
1: that movie. So... <laughs> Shitty shape of water. It really is. It, like it got to the end and I was like, oh, oh wow. no. It so is.
0: Ter- or, um, so, uh, so what's his face? Literally just remade this movie, but but good.
1: Guillermo del Toro.
0: Yeah, del Toro. He not Tarantino. Watched... very different people.
1: I was gonna say uh, Del Toro sitting there, you know. He's like, you know what movie needs to uh, needs to be remade right now? It's, uh, it's Splash. <laughs> he approached. He approached Universal. He was like, I want to remake Splash. and I, I wanted to star Ron Perlman, and they were like, absolutely not. You gotta get. You gotta get some deaf chick, and you gotta make her monster fuck, and it
0: has to Why happen. start Would Ron Perlman have played the fish or the woman? It's better. It's better left unsaid. I, w- I <laughs> want to imagine him with that woman's hairstyle, like as a wig. Um, yes. And nothing else about the movie changes. It's the exact same. I would. I would watch that movie a lot.
1: I would watch that. Yeah, if it's just Ron mm. Perlman mm. As, as a deaf French woman. Oh, <laughs> uh, beautiful! Mm,
0: okay. It's a beautiful Excellent. intro.
1: Ramsey's It's a beautiful intro conversation.
0: Okay, you, oh, you want me to, I value this. You want me to dive, I
1: genuinely value this. Dive into this bad boy, Jesse Mack. So, I want to ask uh, when when you read the name Jesse Mack, what do you think?
0: Uh I think a, a baseball player. And I think of like a baseball player. Yeah, I don't know why uh it just feels like a the name of like a slugger for the LA Dodgers or you know, like in the 1930s like ah, it's yeah. Jesse Mack up at bat he's re- he's really <laughs> bad with a bat folks he has now no idea what he's doing you know, for the New York Yankees played Jesse Mack played one season and then just got like beamed with a with a ball and it just like broke and his nose and died. his brain yeah exactly <laughs> just killed him on home plate
1: oh Jesse Mack yeah it, it could definitely go that way um I'm, I'm not even really reading um, The story right now When I say I, When when you use the word Mac around me I think of trucks That's fair it's, I just think of trucks yeah. If this has anything To do with trucks You know Nailed it
0: <laughs> Do you actually not know?
1: Oh no I don't I don't screen any of these stories Oh We're good going in no, completely, that's, that's excellent We are going in Completely blind My friend Okay
0: That's exactly <laughs> How I like to go in
1: Absolutely. I would do it no other way. If I had any type of uh, prerequisite or, or pre-intuition about how this was going to happen, uh, I might not want to do it as much. <laughs> so mm. it's better it's better to go in completely blind with your expectations low, and maybe, just maybe, they'll come out lower. Uh, I will let you uh, take away... Uh, we're going to start with some creepypastas, as we usually do. Um, and this one's going to be called Jesse Mack...
0: In late June, early July, I started living in an apartment with my old smoking buddy, Matt. Matt ran this squat he called The Way Station. Nowadays, nice. it was less for squ- for the squatters and more for Matt's buddies from his job at Burger King. A pretty fun place to be, and we had house parties every night. So yeah, truck, truck themes, immediate.
1: <laughs> immediate. Uh, immediate. <laughs> About a week. So the way the way station, uh, this dude's this dude's selling that good good. He's selling mm, that lettuce, yeah. that devil's lettuce out of the back of a Burger King. He, He's he, he. We need to get him on the show. He always weighs it. That's very
0: nice, you know, because I wouldn't expect <laughs> the guy selling it of a Burger King just to eyeball
1: it. <laughs> Absolutely, are you kidding <can laughs> me? Yeah, that's about the size of a <laughs> Whopper. You can have it, eighty bucks.
0: After about a week, I moved in. A couple of my buddies came over to watch the game. During a commercial, I went out for a smoke. While I was out on the porch, this punk-looking kid came up to me and sat down next to me. He int- he introduced himself as Nate. We talked for a few minutes. He told me he was supposed to be moving into the squad. Matt never told me about anything regarding who was living there anymore. Nate and I ended up getting along great. And don't get me wrong, Matt's a great guy and all, but you can't have any kind of meaningful conversation with him. Nate was the opposite. I mean... At parties he was awkward as fuck, but when it was just the two or three of us, we would talk for hours about anything, everything. This reminds me of so many of my friends. He <laughs> is
1: just awkward, awkward like as fuck. Anywhere, like three people great, four people loses. And it. then you know a fire pit is started and no one else is sitting out there except for like two guys mm-hmm. and they're having the most cathartic conversation of their lives.
0: <laughs> Both probably <laughs> tripping at this point, I would assume. Oh um, man, maybe Nate had come from South Boston to visit his girlfriend, who apparently lived about a block from the squat, though no one had ever seen her before. Classic Canadian girlfriend lives a block away. Right. I later found yeah, out... Yeah, like,
1: I'm not gay. I, like, have a girlfriend, you know? Like, can can I live with you?
0: I later found out that this was because she went to a local prep school and was, like, insane smart. They met on some dating site for people who love Star Wars and crime shows and all that <laughs> geeky shit. He was always nice. over at their, her place, and he didn't take take up much space here, so no one really noticed when he was gone. On the off chance that he was at the squad, we had discussions regarding politics, religion, drugs, anything under the sun, eventually during one of our religion convoys. I asked him if he believed in the paranormal. (laughs) Okay, so he's trying
1: to steal my show, is what you're mm-hmm, saying? It's mm-hmm, like all he mm-hmm. needs to do is decide to do to talk about all of that stuff, but then turn to Nate and be like, "You want to start a podcast? <laughs> and, I, and I'm out
0: of a, and I'm out of a job. I'm out of entertainment." I bought a Shure SM7B. All right, I've got a camera. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna hook this shit up. Uh, I asked him if he believed in the paranormal. He replied that he did. For a little backstory, I've been going into haunted houses since as long as I can remember. I've always been into ghosts, demons, and shit. We talked about this for a while before I decided to pop the question. Pop the question. <laughs> yeah, okay. So,
1: do you, uh do you, yes. do you, do, you, do you care about the paranormal? Do
0: <laughs> you care about the paranormal with me? With so, me? <laughs> so has anything paranormal ever happened to you? Like anything weird that you just can't explain? Nate looked at his feet. <laughs> my my feet are paranormal, sorry. <laughs> I have to Ghost. go I have to go meet my girlfriend. I'll catch you later, bro. Even now, I regret asking that question. <laughs> About three weeks later, Nate's girlfriend broke up with him for reasons I still don't quite understand. Apparently, she was a lesbian or something. <laughs> 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 what's, what's not to understand? That seems pretty straightforward. Uh, apparently. Didn't like men. She didn't uh, know. Uh, you'd have to ask him. I didn't have the heart to. I came home from a smoke session to find him on the kitchen floor in a crumpled position next to an empty bottle of Oxycontin pills. He groggily raised his head when I came into the room. Guess I didn't take enough. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Sorry, suicide's not funny, but that's <laughs> that, that. line
1: is—it's <laughs> only funny that you say that because I literally just uh, just recorded an
0: episode about suicide. <laughs> Look, when done poorly, Javier's suicide in the Le Miz movie—that's that's, that's funny <laughs> as shit. <laughs> the way he oh smacks. Oh my god.
1: It's, it's they, they. It's almost like they bumped the smack effect. It's so it awkward. It's so awkward. It's like
0: a, so like a fist. <laughs> <flaps. laughs> <laughs> it's just so loud. Okay. I definitely peeked there. Uh, I kicked him in the stomach. Hard. Hard enough to make him vomit up the remains of whatever was in there. I was livid, but at the same time, sympathetic. I've been that far down before, and it ain't fun. I gave him a pen and paper and told him to write down everything he wanted to accomplish in life. Sort of like a, a bucket list. No, that's exactly like a bucket list, buddy. They so, literally <laughs> called a bucket list. I told him no one would ever see it but him and made him promise that he would stay alive until he had completed everything on the list. Nate hastily scribbled down a few notes and then put the paper in his pocket and stumbled into the living room where he collapsed on the couch in a drug-induced stupor.
1: I mean, you're not supposed to let someone sleep in those types of situations, but yeah, sure, no, that's fine. Have them write a list and then go back to sleep. No, it's
0: okay as long as they're upside down. You have to tilt, <laughs> tilt them upside down and they'll be fine. Put their, put them face down <laughs> on the couch? So, yeah, you don't want them to breathe too much because they can over-oxygenate and explode. Uh, so you just smother them with a pillow.
1: As I um, sat the chair wow.
0: next to him, I suddenly became aware of an intense curiosity. I had to know what he'd written on that paper. I mean, I I was fucking baked at the time, right? But at the same time, his cryptic answer to the paranormal question a few weeks back had been eating away at me. So I decided to give a quick look to see if it had any clues. Just, Just one look, then I'd put it back in his pocket. He'd never even know. Letting my curiosity get the better of me. I did just that. The paper read, to the people who matter most, one, my brother, two, my mentor, Three, Jesse Mac. Yo, title drop. Title Drop, Jesse Mac. Shoot. Okay, so it was just paranoia. The completely average bucket list, and I was just baked out of my mind. I slipped the note back. It makes two of us. Wait, how, how is this a normal bucket list? It just has three names on it. That's
1: names. I know. I'm, I'm really confused. <laughs> what do you want to do? You I do start was... to get worried that he's going to pull out the sniper rifle yeah. and the lipstick and start, you know, marking them off. Oh, yeah. This is normal. All it says is name. To those who I won't be buried without. <laughs> okay. My brother, yeah. my mentor, and that lesbian bitch. <laughs> the corpse of God. I'm making assumptions. I don't know if Jesse Mack is the is the girl. Jesse Mack is the
0: baseball player. He will dig him up later. I can right, guarantee okay. you. Okay, Perfect. so... It was just paranoia. It was a completely average bucket list, and I was just baked out of my mind, so I slipped the note back into his pocket, turned on the TV. Still, there was something that struck me as odd about that last one. Jesse Mack sounded familiar, like something out of my childhood that I couldn't quite put my finger on. I never told Matt what happened. Nate was still asleep when he got home from work, we watched a few movies, including this really strange one called Being John Malkovich, which is Matt's favorite movie for reasons <laughs> this I This crazy really one about understand. a mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> Splash. About <laughs> halfway through the movie, I looked over at Matt. Hey, remember Jesse Mack? Matt started cracking up. The fuck kind of parent names their kid Jesse Mack? I smiled back. Some parents in Boston, I guess. Matt couldn't stop laughing. I mean, are you fucking serious? Jesse Mack? Jesse fucking Mack? Hey, everyone, I'm Jesse Mack, and I'm from Dorchester. He was shouting in a faux Boston accent now. Oh, hmm. I wish I'd read that (laughs) sentence before. It was pretty (laughs) hilarious at the same time. There was something slightly eerie about it, and I started to feel guilty about taking the note from Nate's pocket. Nate started to wake up sometime later. He was in a lot of pain, but he managed to grin at me when he was attempting to sit up. Matt was in another part of the apartment shouting at himself, which was actually pretty normal. A few hours later, we were all just sitting together watching the South Park movie. We watch a lot of movies here. I don't mean to brag. I'm kind of a connoisseur. Pushes up glasses. (laughs) Every few minutes, Nate had a little nervous spasm, but, you know, nowhere near as bad as he'd been. Matt turned to him. So, about this Jessie Mack, I need to meet this person. She sounds so freaking hot. Yeah, right. the, The. Average normal way you talk with your bros. Hey, I need to meet this person. She sounds first person for you never cannot. brought up. That is totally gonna freak you out. There's no way I could have predicted what was about to happen. In a fraction of a second, they jumped off the couch, backed himself into a corner, whipped out his pocket knife, and pointed it straight at Matt. He was shaking all over, and in a barely audible whisper that sounded as if he was gasping for air, he mouthed, "Don't you fucking come near me." You have no idea what, no idea what you're doing. No fucking clue. Don't, don't, don't don't ever fucking mention her name again. And with that, Nate vomited all over the carpet and passed out on the floor again. (laughs) What happened after that was uh, pretty much a blur. I was trying to find a job at the time, so I didn't get to spend as much time at the house. Nate became extremely paranoid, especially around Matt. He would hole up in his room with a terrified expression on his face, pointing his little BB pistol he added anything that moved. And knowing (laughs) Nate, this was odd. What what do you mean fucking knowing Nate, this was odd? Knowing anyone, this (laughs) This is new behavior. (laughs) behavior. (laughs) Knowing what I know about the psychology of Nate, it was strange that he was threatening everyone he lived with. (laughs) Nate was about as big as a bear, with facial hair to match, and an unusually laid-back disposition before all this went down. Matt, on the other hand, was manic all the time He'd run around the kitchen screaming My name is Jesse, Jesse Mack At the top of his lungs In this obnoxious fake Boston accent That was clearly making Nate's condition (laughs) worse What a piece of (laughs) shit What the fuck At one point I woke up in in the night And heard part of the conversation between Nate And his ex on our porch He was begging her to stay with him or something She refused His tone turned from sadness to terror the terror of one who's seen too much <laughs> she left <laughs> telling him he was talking like a crazy person matt kept having strange people over whom i'd never seen before eventually whenever someone did, i didn't know came over nate and i would go for a walk down the avenue until they left i never heard much of what they talked about but uh, several times i did hear a few people in the living room mutter jesse fucking mac holy shit or you know something to that effect This was clearly upsetting to Nate, and every time he heard the name, he'd revert to this paranoid, vomiting state. Holy shit, he vomited every time? And he kept doing it? This is great. This is insane. Why would... (laughs) This Matt guy sounds like the worst person. (laughs) Every time he heard the name, he'd revert to his paranoid, vomiting state. (laughs) (laughs) Hey,
1: it's Jesse... Okay,
0: (laughs) in late August, he decided to leave here for good. He was so sick, he could barely stand up. I ended up carrying most of his luggage to the bus station with him. On our way there, everyone was staring at us. I mean, I don't blame them. You don't see too many punk teenagers carrying suitcases through some bumfuck town in New Jersey. As we passed the railroad bridge, a man in his truck threw some kind of gang sign at a group of kids in their early 20s. As he drove by, he shouted, Jesse fucking Mac!" Every one of the group started pumping their fists in the air. Nate emptied his stomach on the <laughs> ground next to the bridge. <laughs> We knew we'd be out today. Gangs that had been fighting each other for decades, standing out in the open, chest-bumping, fist-pumping, as if they were unifying against some unseen force. All shouting, all shouting Jesse Mech! Jesse. Jesse
1: Mac. Jesse.
0: Jesse Mac. I I am confused. Is this
1: supposed to be terrifying? Because I only find it hilarious. <laughs> it's so good. Like uh, <laughs> it's like a it's like a word virus that is just ruining this guy's life, but for the life of me I'm 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 also wondering like why is this name so bad?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's just like from Boston and severely offended every time someone does a shitty Boston accent. Oh, that might be it.
1: Maybe I'm sure, I'm it's sure not Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> we
0: gotta get Mark Wahlberg. I'm sure he is. <laughs> By the time we got to the bus station, Nate was in a real bad shape. I hugged him goodbye and told him to go find a new place to live. One which no one knew anything about him or Jesse Mack. He smiled back at me and managed to laugh. Funny, he said. That's exactly what they told me back in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the last time I saw him before October. After that, I moved back in with my dad in this little town about an hour from Matt's apartment. Got a real job, bought a junk car, the whole works. Even started dating this girl I really liked back in high school. Three months in, Matt's house made me feel like I had aged ten years, but I was finally stepping out into the light. I doubted I'd ever see either of them again. At some point in September, Matt put up some website with the weird mp3 loop of him and a bunch of other people screaming "I'm Jesse Matt, Jesse fucking Matt." Just that, over and over again. Somehow told me that Matt was singing his or signing his work checks as Jesse Matt now. None of his old friends really hang out with him anymore, so it's hard to verify anything I hear about them these days. The next time I saw Nate it was mid-October. He'd apparently come back to New Jersey to try to reason with Matt to tell him to shut down this webpage. (laughs) The webpage itself had gathered over 50,000 hits, which was an all-right count for the shittiest music in the world. Matt was also selling Jesse Matt clothing, which was selling more rapidly than any other local product I'd ever seen. Nate only stayed for three days, and I was at work for the first two. When I finally saw him, he was standing outside in Matt's driveway in the pouring rain, looking about as bad off as when I left him the last time. After about 20 minutes of trying to reason with him, we went inside. I don't even recognize the place. In the, in the foyer, two of the walls were bashed in. It had always been a dirty apartment. Sure, yeah, but now it looked... This is, no one lived there in years. All over the house, walls were punched in. Any space that had a wall had writing on it. Most it's the bra disease <laughs> the you, bruh. you say
1: Jesse Mac, and they all just go Jesse Mac, and start just Bashing their heads together You know, punching holes in walls it's Like, oh yeah, Jesse Mac. <laughs> there was uh,
0: Most of the writing was in Gaelic So I don't know what the fuck it said But there were several references to Jesse Mack Being the name of an ancient Gaelic entity <laughs> <sighs> The English translation of the name Was the Descendant of the Dark One Jesus Christ, Jesse Mac. By the way, <laughs> Jesse would... Mac is the descendant of the Dark One. I complete sidebar for this. I do find it fascinating when you take like ancient gods' names and sort of uh-huh. translate them into modern English. Like Jesus is Joshua or Josh. That's funny. Huh. um Okay. But Dionysus, the English form of Dionysus, is Dennis, which means at some point <laughs> a bunch of people were making sacrifices to Dennis. That's all. I going to keep going. Uh, That's amazing. Nate solemnly... Nate nodded solemnly, as if he had known this all along. There was an old couple shooting heroin on one of the couches. The woman looked up at her boyfriend, saying, I want to get closer. You don't even understand. I want to get closer to... Jesse Mack. The man looked up at us. (laughs) Matt will be home in a few hours. He's going to play guitar and put on a show for us. He gestured towards the guitar in the corner with a broken neck, (laughs) three working strings, and the words... Jesse Meck crudely carved across the bottom panel Nate ran out of the house screaming I cornered him in an alleyway rain streaming down his face but nonetheless I could tell he was sobbing you're not even fucking real he shouted at me you live in my head none of this is real it's all just a fucking joke I tried to comfort him but he wasn't taking it I know I know I'm a fucking crazy person that's what everyone says we <laughs> sat down together for a few hours and he calmed down a bit as did the rain I'm done," he finally said. "I'm done with this. You have no idea how done with this I am. I'm going back. Yeah, okay? I'm, I'm just going to be a good person this time. I'm going to be a vegan, just like just 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 like this kid I used to know. I'll go back to school. I'll do anything. Just, just someone, please make this fucking go away." He left the next morning, and they never saw him again.
1: <laughs> and that's the end. That's the end of the story. That is, that no, that's that the, is end. The there's no resolution. There's no resolution. The right? Um Yep, that's Jesse Mack. Jesse Mack. Jesse Jesse. Jesse Mack. <laughs> Jesse Mack. <laughs> I don't want to like, you know, I am I am a little stitious now. Um I'm I'm going to go ahead and say that I uh I in the realm of the tulpa, the more you, the more you say and believe in something, the more it becomes true. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say uh, that that story was dumb.
0: I'm <laughs> gonna <laughs> go out of the limit. That was fucking stupid. Yeah. Um, I I'm I'm have to agree with you on that one. Um, so we got Jesse
1: Mac. We started with Jesse Mac, which is a word virus, apparently. But only, um, only for, like... Whoever is the first person to say it gets gets it caught, or the first person to hear it gets it caught in their ear, and earbug, and then they, uh... And then it gets stuck in their head and it ruins their life. It's like a little virus.
0: What about the narrator? They were the first exposed... No,
1: he read it. He read it. But, he didn't hear but it. But
0: then he also... He said it to the other guy. He said it to Matt.
1: Yeah, but he said it. But he willed it into existence. Okay. Listen, I don't know the rules. And then everyone
0: else was... I don't know the rules. All all I'm saying is he's in the perfect Descendant
1: of the Dark One, Ramses. Yeah, you're right.
0: He's just the Typhoid Mary. Descendant. He is Cthulhu's great-great-grand nephew. He just has an inexplicable immunity to this word virus, and he's literally just like the Typhoid Mary, just destroying communities. He's like, I don't know, have you ever heard of Jesse Mack? No? Well, have a nice life. At least, you know... At least from Matt's perspective, it looks like he went
1: on to have like a as good as a you know, a reputation as like Macklemore. (laughs) So, you know, good good for him. Um, I I think we should move on because that that story
0: wasn't great. (laughs) I I really I wanna meet the person who wrote this and ask them what they were thinking. Like what you the...
1: know, there are so many times where I've said that after reading some of the shit I've read in these 186 episodes, and at the same time, I really don't want to meet any of these people well, ever.
0: It's like, it's like normally, when I read a story, even if it's really bad, I can at least see the kernel of like what they wanted out of it. You know, like what <laughs> can you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there are remarkably few times where I'll see a piece of media and just be like com- so completely dumbfounded. That I don't know where to start. This is approaching that point. Because it's like, there's no... There's nothing here. This is nothing. This story is absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, but, yeah. 10 out of 10. Would, I would read again. <laughs> 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Jesse Mack. All
1: right. Say it to um, your mom.
0: Say it to your friends. You got Mr. Smile?
1: I... I... I am beguiled by Jesse Mac. Honestly, I think I'm gonna wake up in a cold sweat later tonight, (laughs) like in the middle of my sleep, just saying like Jesse Mac under my breath, and then then I'll know. Then I'll truly know how fucked I am. I'm just gonna Um, make a
0: page on my uh, on my personal website, and I'm gonna make a shitty Jesse Mac song just to go along with this story, to give it a little bit of to drive my psychosis. Yeah, I appreciate it. To give it a little bit more of that ARG spice. I think it it needs that. It can't stand on its oh, own no <laughs> okay so i'm gonna
1: read i'm gonna read mr smile which you just you know it's um it's that shitty movie that that's that's on netflix it's all the way in the back it's about like a, a kid who sees a weird smiley face one day and then it shows up with a knife and it, and it <laughs> wants to kill him you know it's like we've We've seen this horror trope, the Mr. Smile, the big smile. We've seen it so many goddamn times. Creepypasta, give me something new.
0: It really, it does seem kind of played out. I used to have nightmares about the uh, Mr. Yuck face that they used to put on, like, poison. (laughs) (laughs) Poison Yeah. I had a few nightmares about that as a kid. He doesn't look happy. So I'll give it to you. <laughs> no, yeah, he, does, he doesn't. It's, um, he looks pretty yuck. He does look. He looks like you shouldn't drink whatever's inside of him. So, <laughs> good job, the designers of Mister Yuck.
1: Uh, and we're gonna move on to his cousin, Mister Smile. This one is from Crepe It was in early November of 1997 that a series of very strange sessions led a child psychologist in Maine. To contact the authorities. It began when a patient of his began to tell him about one of their quote-unquote friends, this friend being imaginary as far as both the psychiatrist and the boy's parents were concerned. He called his friend Mr. Smile and would talk about him at great length during some sessions. The boy called him Mr. Smile both because he would always be smiling and because when he was around the boy he said he felt happy. He said that there was a feeling of everything being okay. Oh, Xanax. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The boy in question was being treated for serious issues to do with anger and depression, but when Mr. Smile was around he said that all the anger and the sadness seemed to just disappear. He said that Mr. Smile wouldn't speak, but rather just stand there at the foot of his bed. He smelled like candy floss and just being there he made the boy feel calm
0: and safe nothing's more calming than a stranger staring a standing wordlessly at the, at the foot of the foot <laughs> bed.
1: I would shit I would shit right then and there my well pain. now I, I feel, shit. feel safe. let me close my eyes the psychiatrist assumed this imaginary friend was some sort of coping mechanism the boy had developed to deal with the problems at home that had led to his violent temper and thought nothing much of it Until another patient, a girl of about 9 years old, also began talking about her imaginary friend, Mr. Smile. And then a boy of 7, and then a boy of 12, and then a girl of 11. All in all, close to 15 separate patients all began to talk about him, about Mr. Smile. The first few he'd put down to a coincidence, after all, many children have imaginary friends, and the name and description of Mr. Smile were just generic enough that it didn't concern him too much at first, but as more and more of his patients told him about Mr. Smile, he began to grow concerned. He asked for more details. Every single one of them described him the same way, using the exact same words. Now, there was no way that all these children could be in contact with each other. Five of them, for instance, were currently being homeschooled, and according to their parents, when he spoke to them, never really even left the house, except when it was to accompany them on shopping trips and the like. There was no way that every single one of these kids could have rehearsed or prepared their statements together, which led him to a deeply disturbing conclusion.
0: Brain he spoke worms. privately. No. <laughs> What'd you say? <said>, brain worms.
1: <laughs> brain This worms. is a classic case right. of brain
0: worms. The, the Jesse
1: Mac <laughs> Mr. Smile. <laughs> I was gonna say, it's just like Gary Busey. Just like standing there Honestly, at the foot of their bed. Honestly,
0: I was picturing the... the is it the dentist from Courage the Cowardly Dog*? I think it oh, is. Oh, it's uh, cousin cousin Fred. Yes. Who? It's cause It's Muriel's cousin. May as well be the cartoon version of Gary Busey. So honestly, we're on the same page.
1: Yeah, we're we're pretty close. <laughs> the the being naughty. <laughs> uh class he spoke privately with each of the children's parents one at a time he avoided disclosing too much information but told them that something troubling had cropped up in multiple sessions with various patients and that he believed that there was a chance their kid was at risk he asked for their permission to discuss matters with the authorities and the parents gave their consent provided they were kept in the loop as to what was going on And so, over the course of the next week The police came and talked to children About their quote-unquote friend They asked for details about his appearance Which they couldn't seem to describe Apart from the smile And that he was Quote, Not. not like them Quote How he got into their house Anything he said or did while he was there Because by this point The psychiatrist, the parents, and the police Were all convinced that Mr. Smile Was quite real and quite dangerous. The authorities had checked to make sure that there were no known predators living in the area, which they had confirmed was not the case. But it was quite clear that whoever this Mr. Smile was, he was a real person who had been sneaking into the homes of these children at night. None of the children claimed to know how he got in. They said that they would just wake up and he'd be there at the foot of their bed. Sometimes they said he would be singing something, but not in English. Senor smile. It sounded like a lullaby. They said it made them feel safe. I I just have the Leak spin song stuck in my head. <laughs> it's just, it's <laughs> just singing just <laughs> F's
0: Crazy Frog. <laughs> I don't know. It's not English. It's something else. It's uh, I don't
1: know how to describe it.
0: <laughs> it is absolutely. Ju- it is just any of the those crazy frog. Is perfect is. enough to go to sleep. <laughs> He's not like me. He's an animate cartoon
1: frog. <laughs> Why are you calling him Mr. Smile though? I don't know. Look at his face. <laughs> uh. Finally, the children were asked to draw. Mr. Smile as they couldn't put into words how he looked each and every one of the children picked up a red crayon and proceeded to color in the entire page until it was just a rectangle of red
0: that rolls out crazy frog
1: when asked about this they (laughs) insisted that they had drawn Mr. Smile when asked where his head arms and legs were they would insist that they had drawn them They claimed that they had drawn a perfect picture of a man at the foot of their bed, and when they were told that they had simply colored the page and not drawn anything, they would become deeply angry, feeling that they were being accused of lying, and insisting that what they had drawn was a picture of a man that they had seen. Acting more on a hunch than anything else, the psychiatrist decided to show one of the colored-in rectangles to the various children and asked them what it was, and each and every one of them, with no knowledge of what the picture was supposed to be or who had drawn it, and with no knowledge that the other children that had been spoken to about the subject even existed, replied that it was a picture of Mr. Smile cameras and baby monitors were placed in the children's rooms so that they could be monitored. Many of the parents simply stopped sleeping altogether staying up all night staring at the screens that displayed where their children slept at no point did anyone enter or exit the bedrooms no sounds except for them snoring or occasionally talking in their sleep were heard over the baby monitors there was no sign of Mr. Smile is there a chance that the uh, the red that they're drawing is like the back of your eyelids or or your eyes rolled into the back of your head? Uh yeah, 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 I
0: suppose.
1: Or maybe that's just when
0: when there's like a light source. It's kinda more black when it's night. It like. might be Minecraft Steve, but with an all-red skin. <laughs> <laughs> right. Super meat boy. <laughs> Cats a <and> meat cube.
1: <laughs> that would be absolutely terrible. After almost two weeks of this, many of them began to doubt that Mr. Smile had ever existed. Other psychiatrists since have put the whole thing down to some strange shared delusion that while it couldn't be explained, yet did not have any basis in reality. Which actually is now starting to remind me of Candle Cove a little bit, which is a very popular, uh, very well-written creepypasta. Candle Cove? Um, Candle Cove. It's about a shared a shared delusion between children uh these kids would suggest that they um they would turn on the tv and as kids each of them in different states you know around the country would watch this show called candle cove about uh puppets pirates trying to explore caves and find treasure and shit but when the parents would come in and see them looking at the tv the parents would only see static they would only see snow and they would ask the kids what they were doing, and the kids would say that they're watching Candle Cove. Nice. It's a very, it's a very fun story. I, I butchered it by by no salt allowed. You can't watch my show that. But, uh, but it's it's pretty great. It's a very good story, and and a lot of people online. There's even a TV show um, called Channel Zero, which kind of loosely adapted that idea. Um, uh, there's there's a TV show that there's a couple TV shows that have adapted Kirby Pasta material.
0: Yeah, Um, I'm aware of some of them But it's not a
1: It's not as wider as as suggested Anymore, I think um, I think we we're getting A couple more over the next couple Years from big studios that I didn't Really think would happen Like Ryan Reynolds bought rights to One, um, Steven Spielberg Bought rights to another one Uh, Cole Sprouse just did a, A podcast about one of them Oh wow, um
0: I can't wait for the Coen Brothers adaptation of Manhook Hand Door Car. (laughs) (laughs) That would be great. It's three hours long, one take, and it's all shot of the car. Absolutely.
1: You are are note for note, correct. (laughs) And I would watch it. Some suggested that maybe this whole Mr. Smile thing had its basis in a TV show or a film that had You know, the children had all watched, leading them to all dream up something similar. But then, one of the boys went missing. Oh no. The camera in his room had gone dead at around 2 in the morning, and his mother had run in to check in on him, only to find his room empty. It had literally taken her less than a minute to run to his room. There was no possible way for him to leave or be taken or be out of her sight in the time it took her to leave her bedroom and run towards his, but he was gone Mm,
0: brilliant syntax
1: she said that there was a smell like cotton candy in the room the search for the boy turned up nothing, no one had seen anything strange or unusual around the home before or during the disappearance and no trace of him was ever found it was less than a week later that one of the girls who had spoken of Mr. Smile vanished as well then another, then another of the boys. One by one, each of them began to disappear until only four remained.
0: So, the four at this point, <laughs> wouldn't we get the children to a safe and monitored so location?
1: How many, how many of them did he say in the beginning? Like, nine? like 15. Oh, like fifteen? I think after like number two, I probably yeah, would have locked them all two, in a facility. Two, three is a
0: conservative estimate. At which point you would put them under police care. All right.
1: So eleven of them have unfortunately gotten <laughs> away from us, but I think I think now that we have these four right here in the same room yep. at the same time, there's no way that they will get that that they will get kidnapped. Uh. The four remaining children began to talk about how Mr. Smile and his friends were going to take them away soon. When asked about these friends, they talked about how Mr. Smile lived with other smiling men in the happy place and that he would take them there soon. They said that there were lots of people there already and that in the happy place everything was beautiful. They said that they knew about it because Mr. Smile talked to them in their heads because he couldn't talk like other people and that he would show them pictures in their heads of the place they were going S- fucking telekinesis it's aliens
0: Oh, I it's hope aliens, so. it's
1: fucking aliens I love a good alien twist tall greys with weird masks
0: no, these are big things- red rectangles <laughs> weren't you paying attention? oh,
1: nice, <laughs> nice, we're going Stephen King with it they're just leather heads they're, big old it- triangles of floating flesh things began to get increasingly disturbing They aren't already? (laughs) After a few weeks, the children began complaining of headaches and nausea. Their schools reported that they had begun to suffer hallucinations, and two of them started complaining that they didn't like the place that Mr. Smile was showing them anymore. One began screaming for a half hour, acting as if they had a fit, and screaming for the colors to stop. The colors were horrible and they needed them to go away. One of the children claimed that Mr. Smile was talking to them in their head all the time now and he was telling them things, terrible things, but that they couldn't talk about it, that they mustn't because then their parents would know about the terrible things too. The psychiatrist asked them to write down what Mr. Smile was saying, promising that he would show it to no one, managing to gain the trust of one of the boys enough that he agreed the contents of the book are known only to him and the authorities but whenever anyone involved has been asked about it they just seem to get real quiet and they quickly find an excuse to change the subject the children stopped sleeping footage from the security cameras showed them sitting bolt upright their eyes unblinking just staring at the wall without moving or making a sound sedatives did nothing one of the girls began Cutting strange circular marks into her skin while two of the boys ceased communicating in English altogether. And now they only speak Spanish. <laughs> Senor, <The> smile le- <laughs> <strikes again. laughs> Senor Smile strikes <laughs> again. Senor Smile. He does not know English. The le- le- <laughs> had her smile. Uh, the The language they spoke was never identified And despite numerous people being asked to listen to them They could not translate what they were saying By the start of 1999, all four of the children had vanished into thin air There was no trace of who took them Searches have turned up nothing to this day With no indication of where they are or even if they're dead or alive No suspects have ever been found either All four of them appeared to simply vanish into thin air much like the others. All of whom also remain missing. Their disappearance is unexplained. Hmm. Wow. Wow. We're hmm. just getting we're hmm. getting dick chopped this by is these a, this stories. Is a lot of we're getting we're getting nice and wet and nice and ready to go in for the for the kill and then the story just ends. Is it possible they forgot to finish <laughs> the story? Is it possible meant to continue? Well, I mean, from a, okay, so from a theoretical perspective, if this guy's a psychiatrist and the kid's disappeared, I guess there's nothing more to think about. But, like, I wanted to know what the little fucker wrote in the book. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wanted to know what fun little Hellraiser story he's coming up with, little Clive Barker.
0: Yeah, but then you'd have to write it. Well, that sounds hard. It's better to just not write it and make you think it's much scarier than it is. <laughs> The unknown! Oh man, who, who would have thought that that's spooky? Um, I'm gonna, I'm, you know, I'm gonna go off on a
1: limb here and say that Mr. Smile was a bit more effective than Jesse Mac.
0: Okay, so 100% a better story, right? But not yeah. as memeable, so I'm gonna give it 6 out of 10.
1: <laughs> so, for Victor of the Creepypastas, we're still going with Mr. Smile. <sighs>
0: Yeah, I mean, by, like, by Scary Story standards, yes. <laughs> I, I don't know, no, by your own standards. By, by Ramsey's standards. Well, I like shit things. I like, I like garbage. <laughs> so, like, I, it's not, for me, it's gonna be the inverse of whatever it should actually be. So you'd go win. with Jesse Mack? I would go with Jesse Mack, because... <laughs> for the chaotic. Just, yeah, because I'm gonna the be... Sh- chaotic. I'm going to be chanting Jesse Mack for the next week, and no one's going to Jesus understand why. Jesus Christ. Um,
1: Oh, wow. Um, we're gonna move on to No Sleeps. Um, (laughs) I guess we have a tie in the creepypasta category. Because I thought Jesse Mack was absolute garbage. I need something to hold value at the end of the day. And I I actually liked the Mr. Smile story. It reminded me of, like, a, you know, like, when X-Files would have, like, a sad episode that never really Mm -hmm. had, like, a good ending. It reminded me of that.
0: You know, like an unsolved mystery. Let me. I'll let it marinate. I'll reevaluate by the end. I might. (laughs) I might. You know, I could have a complete change. With
1: time, Jesse Mac is just gonna look better to you,
0: (laughs) (laughs) honestly. It might. It might. Um, it's a real You risk know, every story we read, we just get steps
1: and steps further away from Jesse Mack. And now, in my eyes, there's no other alternative.
0: I'm going to make. I'm going to get real meta with this shit. By the end of the episode, I'm only going to be screaming
1: Jesse Mack. Oh. Okay. God damn it. So, we're going to move into the no sleep territory. I'm going to let. Uh, Ramses take this first one which I think we both are excited for because Monsieur um, (laughs)
0: Grabs
1: Monsieur (laughs) Grabs I definitely have had this story I think for the entire four years that I've been doing this show and I haven't had anyone read it. So I'm glad that we're reading it now. So you have, Uh,
0: you have read this one or you maybe have at least. No, no,
1: I have not. I'm just saying that I, you know, when I collect stories, they just sit in a file somewhere. Um, I know I have passed over this one on on two other people's episodes specifically speaking of frowns and and terry i've i've wanted to read this story with them but i did not so we are reading it here today right. um mr grabs i don't think we need to talk about
0: the title at all you could just go ahead and do it are you feeling it now mr grab's, <laughs> mr. grabs. <laughs> okay perfect <laughs> mr grab's house was at the dead end of alexander lane there was nothing weird or off about it from the outside. All of the haunted houses and movies are dilapidated or covered in cobwebs, but Mr. Grabs' house was a typical ranch-style suburban eyesore. The outside was a pale brown. There were three little plastic gnomes arranged haphazardly in the front yard. A wind chime hung from the gutter. It could have been anyone's house, but Lord dedicated it to Mr. Grabs. In reality, it was probably just some shithole house that no one wanted, but that's not the story we told us kids. It must have been passed down from generation to generation because even my parents knew the story of Mr. Grabs. He was a great legend in our little town. No Love one liked it. <laughs> Yes. Even our parents told us the story of the Grabby Man. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Grabs. Stay away from that house, you'll get grabbed. <laughs> <And> he, was... <laughs> he was a legend in our little town. No one liked going anywhere near his house. I had a friend, Ronald, who lived on the same street, and if we kicked the ball a little too close to the abandoned house, we just let it go. (laughs) It was his now. The house was littered with frisbees, baseballs, and other childhood memorabilia. I... Is this a thing that happens in real life? It happens way too often in, (sighs) in these stories. This is like the monster house slash sand lot Like,
1: bad, bad house of the neighborhood You know, the burbs It's It's like, I don't, I
0: don't know I don't know if it's just a stereotype or not The creepy house that for some reason we designated as the home run zone (laughs) Um, uh, This is the Mr. Grabs story Basically, 100 years ago, a bunch of pedophiles Okay, let's. <laughs> I was not prepared for that. Pedophiles is on the next line. I just they blindsided me. Okay, basically, a hundred years ago, a bunch of pedophiles moved into town. They all lived on Alexander Lane. The townspeople didn't like this and burned all of their houses down, with them inside, of course. But one house didn't burn. That house belonged. You guessed it, to Mr. Grabs. (laughs) Out of all of the pedophiles, they should have gotten rid of him the most! (laughs) He was the worst of the bunch. (laughs) I I want, like... All of the jokes that I could make about this are just heinous, so I'm gonna try to, you know, hold myself back. He was the worst of the bunch. Not only would he abduct children, he would also murder them in all sorts of disgusting ways. Legend has it that Mr. Grabs still lives there, haunting the property and grabbing any child who ventured too close. Obviously this is a stupid story. Not only did it make no sense, this house was not built a hundred years ago, but no mass migration of pedophiles ever happened to our town. <laughs> i like, oh yes, to <laughs> specify that. There was, there was not actually a mass pedophile migration.
1: My grandpa told me this story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sit down, kid. Let me tell you about these pedophiles that came into Let town. me tell you
1: about Mr. Graves. He was he was the leader of a gang of fucking kid touches.
0: Grandpa, what's a pedophile? Oh well, you see, <laughs> Sorry. take your pants off. Oh god! But it was a good way for us to scare each other as kids. One time when we got Ronald to open the door to his house and step inside, he came out right away squealing with fear, and we all ran. I grew and then up. someone tried to finger him. <laughs> God. And then he got Mr. Grabbed. I grew <laughs> up and soon had a family of my own. I had three kids, two boys, Aiden and Preston, and a girl, Malia. I heard the older boys whispering about Mr. Grab's to try and scare Malia. Apparently in the news stories, Mr. Grab's was a vengeful spirit who had to kill little kids to stay alive. I chided the boys for their lies, but Malia wasn't faced. She'd always been a brave girl. Malia was seven when she joined the Girl Scouts. Proof that she's a brave girl by the way she loved being uh-huh. outside and building things with the other girls i was I the resident den mother even though i'm a man i took the <laughs> girls on camping trips and taught them how to make bird houses it was actually really fun aiden and Preston were more interested in video games than scouting so molly was the one i spent most of my time with but girl scouts was not just fun and games it was also cookies why is that in cats <laughs> is this man five years old i was i wasn't looking forward to this i knew i would have to become a cookie peddler to my co-workers and family but i accepted the inevitability of the situation plus it would teach malia about business and accounting which i supposed were good skills to have (laughs) me the real life person (laughs) it was our first day it was our first day of cookie selling we woke up extra early her decision so we could walk around the neighborhood before any of the other girls got there I knew we were going to have some grumpy neighbors, but seeing Malia dressed up in her little sash made it all okay. I mean, who could be angry at an excited seven-year-old? We left the house at 6 a.m. What What is wrong with this man? Who? <laughs> what Girl Scout has ever knocked on doors at like 6 a.m.? I was going to say, that's a, that's a bit much. He's like, man, everyone hates it when Girl Scouts sell cookies. No, everyone hates it when you knock on their door at 6 a.m., you <laughs> crazy man. Go to the grocery store and stand outside like all the rest of them. Right. Um, da, 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 da. But seeing Molly addressed it in her little sign shit, we left the house at 6am. I tried to convince her to let the neighbors sleep a little longer, but she was determined. She was so cute. A little tiny, a tiny little fire truck with big bushy braids. <laughs> I don't want to let that one go. She told me sternly That's that fine. I was to wait to at the sidewalk. She would knock on the doors and get the orders. I was basically her backup, and that was fine with me. We went around our street first. Most people didn't answer. I could have told her that. The few who did were either super chipper and awake or extremely annoyed, but hiding it well. We got a few orders. We soon we branched out to neighboring streets. Malia was having a great time. Every time she got an order, she would do a little dance that nearly broke my heart. I love my daughter so much. Oh, he's using past tense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm thinking, I should, I should I'm thinking Malia got Mr. Grab. I love my daughter so much. Malia, rip. It was around 9am when we found ourselves on Alexander Lane. Pedophile street, remember? I was well past the age when I believed in Mr. Grabs, but my tired feet were telling me to go home. Mally! Oh, weird. Mally, let's head back, I pleaded. No, Daddy, I need one more order, and then I'm at a hundred! She gave me a peck on the cheek, and it gave me a, a bit more energy. We knocked on a bunch of doors, but there were all no answers. Malia knocked on Ronald's old house, and I could see him peek through the window shades, but then disappear. We made it all the way down the road to the dead end. The only house left was Mr. Grabs. Malia started up confidently. I grabbed her shoulder instinctively. She looked at me with a smile. You don't believe in Mr. Grabs, do you, Daddy? She laughed at me. I smiled kindly. No, it's just that no one lives there. How do you know? Malia was very smart. She gave me her best teacher impression. I guess I don't know. I went to tickle her, but she danced out of the way. What? Don't worry, Daddy. I'll be fine. Why would he tickle her? Okay, whatever.
1: Why would he let her go (sighs) up to the abandoned creepy house by herself?
0: (laughs) Father of the year. I loved my daughter so much. I would let her play in construction sites and in the street. (laughs) She loved it. Malia skipped up onto the yard. I'd never seen a kid get this close to the house other than that one time... Other than that one time as a kid, my childhood creeped up my neck. Even though logically I knew no one was in there, it still felt wrong to see her walk up to the porch. She pranced up the steps and knocked loudly on the door. She turned around to flash me a smile. The door opened. A long, thin arm reached out, clamped down on Molly's shoulder, and pulled her into the house. Then the door slammed shut. I screamed. Something ran up to the house. My fears be damned, someone had grabbed my daughter. I burst through the door and I yelled for Malia. It was only silence. No one was there. I I stamped around the house threateningly, I'll fucking kill you. I had just seen a person grab her, so they had to still be in the house, but I, I searched the entire place and it was empty. There was no furniture, no nothing, not even any dust. It was just a vacant shell of a house. I stood in what must have been the living room, frantically called the police 911 what's here someone took my daughter sir where are you i'm in mr Gra- i'm on alexander lane the house at the end
1: sir if this is a prank i have to let you it's know it's not a fucking
0: prank send someone over here now she's in trouble i heard sirens in the distance our town isn't big the police were there in minutes i tried to call my husband mark but he must have been... Oh, nice little twist there. I tried it, to call my it husband It makes mark, sense now. But he must have been... But he must have turned off his phone. I sat on the front step in complete disbelief. Something had taken Malia, and I had no idea who or what it was. The police took my story. I explained everything that happened. They asked if I'd been drinking, which of course I hadn't. They asked if maybe Malia had run off, and I screamed at them that I saw someone take her. They treated me like I was insane. Maybe that's how I sounded, but I I could still see that sickly thin arm reach towards my baby. While I was questioned, my phone rang. It was Mark. I picked up instantly in tears. His voice was concerned. Whoa, sweetie, calm down. Just tell me what happened. It's Malia. What about her? Mark was always so level headed. His words were so kind. Someone took her, Mark. Someone grabbed her now and she's gone. I was sobbing into the phone. I, I hated myself for losing her. I knew Mark would hate me too. But he just paused for a moment. Landon, Molly is home with me. I choked. What? Malia's home with me. She got here a few minutes ago. She said you, you got separated or something? She said she's been looking for you for hours. I dropped the phone. The policeman looked at me like I had just shot someone. I swallowed. This, this couldn't be true. I'd spent the last three hours with Malia. I looked around the clipboard for the orders, but realized Malia had it when she was grabbed, so I peered up helplessly. Mark was screaming on his end of the phone, trying to figure out what was going on. The policeman drove me home, and I didn't have words... He picked up the phone to speak with Mark, and he tried to question me further, but I didn't say anything. We drove to the house in silence. I got out of the car, and standing on the porch was Mark, in tears. Malia was peeking out from behind him. Except, that wasn't Malia. I froze. Mark came rushing towards me, arms outstretched, but I was staring at the thing pretending to be my daughter. It cocked its head at me, and it raised a single finger to its lips. Shh emotion to me. Mark swept me up in a hug, but I was far away. Watching the thing, the thing pretending to be Malia as it bit down on its finger, blood bubbling around its teeth. And it turned and went into the house. Mark shook me. What's going on? His face was full of love and fear. I don't know, I replied despondently. Mark put me down in the shower and Sorry, Mark put me in the shower (laughs) Lay down, lay down, let me shower you Mark put me in the shower and tucked me into bed It was agreed that I had some sort of Mental break I just stared at the wall Nothing made sense, but I knew for certain That my daughter was not the thing laughing Outside my door I laid in bed for five days Mark tried to tempt me out with my favorite foods He did everything he could Just to make me feel safe and supported But nothing worked I just stared ahead Nothing felt real anymore. Once he offered to have the kids come in and cheer me up, and I, I, I screamed at him and I threw a pillow. I couldn't stand to see that mockery wearing Molly's likeness. Poor Mark. He suffered through all of this with so much confusion, with as much confusion as me. On the fifth day, I had a visitor. Mark knocked softly on my door. He came in, worried. Landon. I know you need some space right now, but there's someone here to see you. She said she has some comforting words for you?" A woman made her way into my bedroom. I blinked with recognition. It was Ronald's mom. I hadn't seen her in years, but I remembered her face. She smiled sadly at me. Do you mind if I sit with you? I considered it for a second. I wasn't particularly close with this woman, I, I only knew it was the mother of my childhood friend. Stiffly, I nodded for her to sit. Mark's eye darted to each of us. Should I stay? <laughs> no, I said curtly. The woman said, no. It's, I'm just, I have to commit to it at this point. That's the, uh, I'm, a, I'm with it. The woman sat on the edge of the bed. Mark looked a bit hurt by the whole thing. He closed the door soundlessly. Ronald's mother stopped smiling the minute the door was shut. She looked me dead in the eye. Her voice was a bed of nails. Tell me what happened. <laughs> 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 this, this is the voice of someone who's experienced Mr. Grabs experience. Who's experienced Mr.
1: Grabs, yeah. I
0: coughed. They turned into hardened war vets. <laughs> even though my throat felt like sand. I lost my daughter. Even, even though my throat felt like sand. I knew I needed someone to answer her. Molly knocked on the door of that house, and someone pulled her in. I didn't feel tears this time, just a white-hot anger. The woman nodded. And how do you explain your daughter being home right now? My face felt as though it were made of rock. That isn't my daughter. Ronald's mother inched closer. Her head was so close to my own I smelled the mint of her toothpaste. When she spoke her voice oozed hatred. The same thing happened to my Ronnie after you kids played your stupid fucking game. That thing came home. It wasn't him. She straightened. Ronald you learn to live with it. "'You'll learn to accept it. "'Your child's never coming back.' She stood up emotionlessly. "'Everyone will call you crazy if you say anything. "'You'll lose your other children, your husband. "'Just stay quiet and pretend.' I got out of bed desperately. "'But Malia must be out there somewhere. "'She's with him now.' The woman reached into her jacket and produced a note. "'This arrived the day of Ronnie's 18th birthday.' She grasped the paper tightly and dropped it on the floor. Without another word, she left. I looked after her. My body felt as though it were about to give up. I knelt down and smoothed out the paper. It read, Hope you enjoy the replacement. I've been enjoying your son immensely. Too bad they grow off so fast. M.G. It's a nice note. Yeah. It's
1: fun. It's thoughtful.
0: Who, who... Is his first name Mr.? Why did he abbreviate yeah, his first it? Name's his Why first name's did he abbreviate Mister. it M-G?
1: Because M- uh, he was he was born M-I-S-T-E-R. <laughs> first name Mr. It, in a long line grabs. of grabs, in a long line of grabs, his dad had a real sense of humor. It was like, hey honey, wouldn't it be funny if we named him Mr.? <laughs> she was too, like, you know, tired after the C-section that she didn't see him just sign away on the paper to, to legally name his son Mr. <laughs>
0: Also, so he found this on Ronnie's 18th birthday. Um, when they stopped being kids. Yeah. So is the the implication is that he just, he's just done with them, I guess. Yeah.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't know. What do you do when you're done grabbing? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> wait, wait, why would he have given her on the eight? It seems like he should have given it to her, like, early on.
1: No, the 18th makes sense.
0: Yeah. He's saying he said I u- I used your kid I-,
1: I took I took the youth,
0: but this you know. that I have been enjoying. I just feel like it should be yeah. I enjoyed, you know, simple past. I that.
1: I totally agree. I'm um, nip-
0: I'm nit- nitpicking. This is the best of the the story so far, easily. Um, I I it ha- it agree. I think ending. so.
1: It did have an ending. Um, I I love a good. Like I said, you know, at the beginning, I love a good like psychotic, you know, episode. Like it, it mm-hmm. makes you think that. You know, if it weren't for the Ronnie's mom character, I would have assumed this guy had like a schizophrenic break. Yeah. You know, but yeah, like,
0: yeah. The, the but the something. Ronnie's
1: mom character is the smash back to reality to realize that what absolutely, you know, what we just saw what the narrator just interpreted was absolutely true, and it's that makes it haunting. That makes it scary. Yeah um the the unexplanation of grabs helps i think the
0: yeah.
1: the idea of leaving him as just a long arm with a with a big old hand
0: that's all he is it's, he's just a yeah. severed arm
1: it's just a, you know it's it's what is cousin it
0: or, yeah essentially
1: uh, or no cousin it's the hairy one what's what's the hand isn't that cousin it no i thought cousin it's the hairy one
0: mm. You could be correct.
1: What's what do they call the hand? Handy. I don't. I'm not. A, I'm not. i am not am not a Adams I, family
0: fan. I'm sorry. I also um, am not so. I, I always thought it that was Cousinette.
1: Mister Mister Grabs uh, that was from Reddit Reddit No Sleep that was a, that was a fun one in my in my head I I had fun listening to you read that. Um, we're gonna move forward. I think. Into some conjuring slash Annabelle territory, mm-hmm. um, which is nothing new. We we read the inspiration for those movies on um, on a different episode with my buddy Terry. Um, we're we're gonna read a story from Reddit No Sleep called Betsy the Doll, which I I everyone who's listened this far knows I love dolls. I love them. I They're love. Great glass eyes and the fake not-looking-real-but-kind-of-real skin. Uh, the way they stare. Uh, I f- I'm a particular fan of ventriloquist dummies. Those are great. Um, yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's not much to be said. I like that they don't have bones, usually. <laughs> It's a, big, it's a big uh, plus? It's
1: very specific. It's very specific. I, don't know, I just think bones get in the way, you know? I, think I like rid of bones. <laughs> Get in the way. Oh, yeah. Betsy the doll. Like most people these days, I had a fucked up childhood. Stronger. <laughs> yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take a hit. <laughs> I'm going to take a hit to that.
0: All right, so basically, here's the story. A hundred years ago, a bunch of pedophiles came to town. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> let me catch you Let me get you up. Hold on. I lived on this street called Alexander Lane. It was a fucking war zone. Kids <laughs> getting picked up left and right never know if you're gonna make it to the bus stop. God damn. Oh, like most people these days, I had a fucked up childhood. <laughs> Who doesn't, right? My father took off before I was born and my mother was left to care for me on her own. A skill she was sorely lacking my mother slipped right back into the drug-addled party lifestyle she'd enjoyed before I was born and had soon turned our two-bedroom apartment into an opium den for the first five years of my life I walked around in a confused terrifying mist the smoking air would flood down the hallway from our living room and slip under my bedroom door it always seemed to linger for days I know now that my mother wasn't a bad person, just a victim of her addictions. When she didn't have spare money, she would put food in the house or buy me clothes from Goodwill. The only pieces of furniture I had in my bedroom were a mattress, a little blue and white toy chest. Not that I had a lot of toys to put in it, of course, just the three I had gotten for birthdays. One was an art kit, a red wagon, and the last, my pride and joy, was a doll named Betsy. Betsy was my best friend We would have imaginary tea parties together, sleep together, and even take baths together Sometimes I even remember her voice When I thought back on my conversations with the doll in adulthood I realized that I was likely suffering from delusions Thanks to the always present butts of smoke that laid claim to the dingy hallways and drafty bedrooms of her small apartment Still, I remember the sound of her voice, a pleasant, tinkling lilt that was almost always coupled with a raucous giggle. (laughs) I also remember that the things that she said to me and the things she wanted me to do, she asked me to steal, usually food or pens or pencils. She wanted me to bring her forks and knives and hit the bad man who slept on our couch. It was always something, and I would always get in trouble, but she wouldn't. When I told my mother, who put me up to these games, she would scoff and shake her head. She never believed me. Adults never do. Around my sixth birthday, I asked my mother for a birthday party. I wanted to invite the mean girls from school and serve them cake and ice cream to make them like me. I remember standing in the kitchen that day with such high hopes, having just asked the most important question of my entire life. The glass bottle of Coca-Cola I held was shaking in my nervous hands. I waited with bated breath as my mother continued putting groceries away, almost as if she hadn't heard me. But I knew she had. Finally just as I had failed a second time to muster the courage to repeat my question, she turned around and gave me a flippant shake of her head. A birthday party? Laura? That's ridiculous. I can't afford to feed fifteen children that aren't even mine. Hell, I can barely afford to feed you. You eat like an elephant, especially for a girl your size, or- I'm, I'm sorry, Betsy does. There's barely anything left for me to eat around here, much less a classroom of other people's brats. My face fell as she shook her head, mumbled something else under her breath, and stumbled off into the living room. I heard the music go up, and then as more people walked in the door, some left, some stayed. I never knew them either way. It simply wasn't fair. My parents threw parties all the time. What about me? I was a kid. All my friends had birthday parties, and now the mean girls at school would know I too was poor to have that I was too poor to have one, and they would tease me even more. I felt tears start to well in the corner of my eyes and I choked back a sob while I ran to my room and slammed the door behind me. Betsy was lying on the bed and smiling. She was always smiling. Usually it made me feel better, but today it just made me angry. She just kept staring at me, smiling. She was going to tell me to do something bad again. This was why my mother wouldn't throw me a birthday party. It was because of all the trouble I got into because of her. It was her fault. Betsy didn't have to go to school. Betsy never got in trouble like I did. And in my young mind, I truly believed it was the doll, not my mother, who was to blame for everything. I snapped. I screamed in indignant rage, and I threw the bottle as hard as I could at the bed, and it hit Betsy on the forehead, and she fell on the floor. Good. I picked up the bottle, and I hit her again, and again, and I thought I heard her laugh, and I hit her harder, and then I laughed. And when my rage was spent, I dragged Betsy to my toy chest and threw her in. I slammed it shut and kicked the chest against the wall. I never wanted to see Betsy again, ever. I never owned another doll after Betsy, about a week later the police came and two nice ladies took me to live in a new home, in a new state, with food and toys and no drugs. The trunk went into storage and the wagon disappeared, I never saw my mother again. As I got older, my foster parents admitted she was in jail doing 25 years, that was fine with me. I felt nothing for her anyway. I still had nightmares because of my life with that woman. But then, slowly, I began to heal I focused on doing well in school, and I ignored my mother's letters from prison She reached out to me several times in my 20s as well, but I always declined her calls That is, until this morning I'm 30 now, with my own children and a loving, honest husband I have a beautiful house, two dogs, and a career as a social worker Trying to make a difference for kids who had it bad like me I'm happy, I'm steady, and I'm content So when I got a voicemail from my mother informing me that she had been paroled and that she wished to speak I decided to let her say her piece Since the kids were home from school, I went out into our shed in the backyard to return my mother's call The shed was the children's domain and they used to play in it in the summer I sat on my old toy chest, which was currently being used as a tea party table, and dialed the number she left me three rings. Hello, Laura. Hello, Mother. How are you? Oh, Laura, thank you for speaking to me. I know you have your own life now and a family. I would love to meet them someday. I just, I just wanted to tell you how sorry I am for everything. Mother, you're not meeting my kids, ever. And since you called me, I'm going to have...
0: Hmm. There's, a, there's a
1: word it's... I'm going to have what I needed to say for years the opium the heroin they destroyed you and the worst of it is that you almost took me down with you I was five there was no home for a child honestly I'm surprised it took you so long to get caught Laura I, I know how it seems but I I honestly know nothing look it hardly matters, and I do understand why you feel that way, why you would hate me and not want me to meet your little ones. I learned a lot about forgiveness while I was away, and just... Oh, Laura, I'm I'm so sorry about Betsy. Betsy? I paused, confused. Why would you care about her? I know, Laura, believe me, I do. It was all my fault. The, dr- the drugs, the partying, and... Betsy, oh God, if only I had paid attention, if only I had known... She's gone, and it's because of me. As my mother began to cry, I tapped my fingers on the toy box impatiently. The drugs clearly fried her brain. Mother, I sighed. Why are you talking about Betsy, and why do you even care? I know where Betsy is. is right underneath me. What are you talking about, Laura? Oh, oh god, where is she? I shifted uncomfortably. Well, Betsy's in the trunk where she's always been. And then there was a beat of stunning
0: silence.
1: What do you mean your sister's in the trunk?
0: God, sisters have smelled. What
1: the hell are you talking about? back on drugs so soon that's a record even for you (laughs) betsy's a goddamn doll i locked her in my toy box a few days before you got arrested for possession laura oh god oh no oh god oh no oh god laura what have you done i wasn't arrested because of the drugs laura i was arrested because of betsy's disappearance you always called her your little doll but we thought you knew oh god we thought you knew laura no what have you done to my baby my mind had gone blank, and with no motion, I set the phone down next to me, and I stood up. I could hear the muffled sound of my mother's anguished cries, and I could feel the dark clutch of possibility in my own chest. Memories were stirring in the back of my mind, threatening to flood forward into my consciousness. They pushed against a door in my mind that had been locked so tightly for so long that I had forgotten it was even there. Was it possible? Was it even possible? Could the trauma and the opium have really led me to believe that a small child was actually a doll? Begging for food and utensils to eat with, asking me to protect her from the bad man? No. I slowly turned around and brought my eyes down on the makeshift tea party table. Surely it was too small. You couldn't have fit a person in there, you couldn't. But then what about a very small, starving, emaciated child? What about her? Would she fit? Would an investigator even bother looking for a person in this chest? I knew I wouldn't. It was just too small, and I was just sure we had opened the toy box at some point over the years, hadn't we? Or had something swimming in the dark recesses of my memories always stopped me? I couldn't remember even seeing it open. I knelt down to the ground and opened the clasps. It would be better to not look. After all that I had overcome, this new life that I had earned for myself—it could all be undone. By opening this toy box, I shouldn't open it. I should throw it in a landfill and forget it ever existed. I shouldn't look inside. I opened the chest. I never had a doll. My mother could never afford to buy me one. I never had a wagon either, for that matter, but I did have a toy box. A pretty blue and white toy box. And when I was five, i beat my little sister to death and put her in it okay that uh that definitely that definitely had some uh m night Shyamalan what a twist yeah yeah what a what a twist that's um it must
0: have smelled so bad
1: that's the one thing that's stopping me from from believing anything is like if a kid goes missing you definitely check everywhere just even for remains
0: uh-huh
1: you know like uh, like pieces you know fabric clothing anything so like they get all the possessions even if it's like a small chest like the type of chest i have like in my studio like a enough to fit like a baby
0: the type of chest that you had your babies in is what you're saying
1: yeah like my baby my chest. baby chest <laughs> <You know. laughs> it's my baby chest like you gotta get your own But like mine definitely could fit a baby So I'd like to think like number one is like They definitely check that chest Number two it's been like f- 25 fucking years And you're telling mm-hmm. me no one ever went in there mm-hmm. I mean it's a, it's a fun twist And I'm not saying. sure if I like that more Than Mr. Grabs or not Cause Mr. I'm... Grabs is just
0: so So idyllic So I'm gonna go ahead and say on the prose level, this one wins, but <laughs> on the writing level. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Just like a purely technical standpoint. I think this one wins. I think on a, and an like, what grabbed me more. <laughs> <laughs> I was just hearing, I, <laughs> What did,
1: what did grab you more? Did Mr. Grabs Senor grab you more? <laughs>
0: all all right. of the, all of the misters are now seniors in these stories. Um, yeah, yeah. I think Mr. Grabs grabbed me more. Jesus Christ. Yeah. In not in a non-sexual way. I you know I'm actually I'm having fun
1: because you are gravitating towards your stories and I'm gravitating towards mine and I don't think
0: that's ever happened before. So I, don't think I, I like I don't uh, think I've ever had like
1: a clean split for what people value.
0: <laughs> I think this one is 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 better written in a lot of ways. I think mostly I'm just turned off by the uh, the final paragraph which doesn't need to exist. Like we know ah uh, we know. We know. I'm a stickler for this sort of stuff. You don't. Need you're to tell a stickler
1: me. for the for the bare reality.
0: Well, yeah, you just don't need to. Say, I beat my daughter. Yeah, we know. Like you told us earlier in the story. You don't have to say it again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I, I can, don't know. I agree it's, to it's that it's tied.
0: This, the, these two are definitely the best ones, though. Mister Grabs and and. So you're a no dog. sleep fan. They're, All right. Well, the so creepy were a bit of, you know.
1: Well, I, it's a timeline thing too. Remember that creepy pastas kind of created you know, the, the online fiction, the online wiki, the storytelling, Mm. whereas no sleep is a very new school, a very nuanced type of online fiction. You know, Mr. Grabs, you know, it's, it's coming from a good place. Um, Unsettling stories. What we're about to read next is just someone having fun (laughs) so uh i i do want to keep moving um i'm gonna let you take this next one you're gonna read about heather's
0: phases for as long as i'd known heather she was into her beauty treatments manicures pedicures makeovers all that stuff i don't even know the words for half of them whatever they were they helped her feel better she always has body issues when we were first when we first started dating, I noticed she wore an inordinate amount of makeup. It wasn't really my thing, but hell, I I made her happy, then who was I to judge? She wasn't a big fan of me, or she wasn't a big fan of eating either. Whenever we went out, she'd get a salad or a small piece of chicken or fish, never anything good like burgers or steaks, all the like good red meat. <laughs> it was obvious she didn't want to put any weight on. We dated for a few years and then I proposed. She said yes. Our wedding was gorgeous, and afterwards, we settled into marital bliss for uh, a while. As Heather got older, she grew even more concerned about her appearance. She was 40 when I convinced her to see a therapist. I knew she was depressed. I hoped a professional would provide her with the help that she needed. Heather saw him for a while, tried a couple medications, and gave it all up. She said nothing worked. This whole time, she barely ate... She painted herself with all sorts of expensive products to try and regain the glow she'd had when she was younger. She began looking at alternative medicine online, stuff on websites that was barely written in English, let alone containing coherent, informative sentences. The online beauty communities raved about certain treatments some for hair, some for nails, some for skin, some for teeth. Heather ordered it all, and it was expensive. Jeez, I, we felt the <laughs> strain on our budget as she poured more and more of our savings into these products. I was at a loss. I knew Heather was sick. I'd spoken with her mom about it, but there wasn't much she was willing to do. I'm pretty sure Heather got a lot of her body issues from her anyway. All I could do was sit back and watch. Even though I did everything I could to comfort her and assure her that she was beautiful. She was truly beautiful. Of course, she'd grown older and we both had. Everyone does, but she could still turn heads and did quite often. Still, she wasn't convinced. It wasn't enough one sunday in april heather came to bed crying about the little pouch of fat on her belly old lady skin she called it i studied her stomach Uh, there was indeed a small amount of fat there but nothing abnormal it was something pretty much all women have knowing i couldn't tell her otherwise i just suggested that she use the cucumber skin tightening lotion she liked so much and that maybe she'd feel better in the morning heather took my suggestion as a tacit acknowledgement that she looked awful she screamed and wept and left me in the bathroom. So I do I do want to stop real quick. I did leave
1: out probably the most important point about unsettling stories that you may or may not have picked up on through my context clues. Um, this guy likes to write a lot of body horror and a lot of gross-out oh like, horror. So where this is headed is pretty much his fucking... Playing field. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, Everyone okay. who's listening knows exactly where we're fucking going because yeah. I have read
0: so much of this guy's material on my show. I mean, the the insistence and the obsession with skin immediately brought Leatherface to my mind. Really. Like, it's <laughs> gotta be. It's gotta be some weird skin graft shit going on.
1: Well, I, you know, I I know people like this. I oh would my. say that. I, I even dated someone who's fairly body dysmorphic. You know, like it's a it's a relatively, I would say, easy thing to understand that someone yeah. being totally totally self-critical.
0: Oh, for sure. About, about for sure. their
1: appearance. I've um, met, I
0: mean, it's not, hard to break. Yeah, I'm not I'm not super jazzed about the way that I look. But I've also <laughs> I've met plenty of people who who've taken that to a to a sort of extreme. I remember there was this one girl that I knew. I tried to tell her to stop being grumpy because she was uh, being grumpy. Very self-explanatory. And I accidentally said the word frumpy. Um, And and immediately was like, not the word that I meant. I misspoke. (laughs) Uh, And she locked herself in the bathroom. I felt terrible. I was like, I didn't, I meant grumpy. I meant they'll be grumpy. That's tough. This is terrible. (laughs) Please come out of the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) She's doing well now, I think. She's well adjusted, everything's
1: fine. (laughs) Um, She only wears business suits She's just
0: pantsuits She's in elegant dresses (sighs) It wasn't the first time such a scenario had happened So I let her go When I came downstairs in the morning It looked like Heather had been on the computer all night She was calm though Which I took as a good sign So I kissed her good morning and I went to make some breakfast She joined me in the kitchen and We chatted and even laughed over coffee and cereal Before I had to leave for work When I came home, Heather was still in a good mood. I asked her how her day had gone, and she told me she'd spent it reading and cleaning the house. I looked around, and the house really did look great. We ate dinner, talked. She told me she had some new stuff coming in the mail, stuff that'd be here the next day. I nodded and didn't ask what. I knew it'd be more makeup or lotion. It always was. Sure enough, the next day, Heather received a package with some weird writing on it, definitely not English, not Chinese or Japanese either, though. Maybe Thai? Arabic? That didn't really matter. I checked the credit card account online and saw it was $150, so I wasn't wasn't too happy about it. After dinner and a movie, Heather took a shower and spent quite a while in the bathroom. She eventually came out stark naked and covered from head to toe in a sheen of oily film. Another new moisturizer? I asked. Actually, no, she replied. This is for weight loss. I got worried. Heather was always taking diet pills and fat burners and all that crap, but I'd never heard of a weight loss product that you smeared on yourself like a lotion. Is it safe? I wondered aloud. Of course, Heather answered. I don't think they'd be selling it online if it wasn't. (laughs) Oh, bless her heart. I started to say something and stopped myself. There was no point. At least the stuff smelled good. Days went by and Heather religiously slathered herself with the product every night. Whatever it was, it didn't seem to be doing her any harm. I'm ruining the sheets though right there's no possible way that <laughs> there's she's no like, way they
1: came out alright
0: <laughs> <laughs> just covered in oil and lays next to him in
1: the bed uh, imagine the noises mm, just the, just like the,
0: the the schlick absolutely all the time oh, ugh, okay. gross days went by and Heather religiously slathered herself with the product every night whatever it was it didn't seem to be doing any harm her mood was good and it might have been my imagination but her appetite had actually increased she even split a rack of ribs with me one night and I gotta tell you, nothing's sexier than a woman eating a rack of ribs <laughs> I can think of a couple things I gotta tell I'm, you, I'm not nothing's okay sexier it. than a woman eating a rack of ribs alright, you won me over I just I'll never understand that sentence I'll never okay. That's the, all right. the mindset is of a man who
1: says that <laughs> sentence. I love to see the saucy brown sauce <laughs> on her lips as she shuffles the the meat off of the bone with her tongue. <laughs> yeah, I love catching that. it in
0: the air. I love it when my wife chews on bones like a dog. <laughs> when we got home that night, Heather performed her usual shower shave and slather ritual. It did look like she'd lost weight, not a lot, not an unhealthy amount, but still some. She still looked gorgeous. I noticed the lotion smelled different that night I asked about it It's a three-phase product, Heather replied You use the first one for a week The second one for five days And the third one for one night I just started the second one That's a nice foreshadowing Okay, I answered I suppose I could have asked more about it But her mood had been so high in the last week I didn't want to discourage her Besides, I was scheduled to go on a business trip in the morning And I wouldn't be there for six days I had a lot on my mind (laughs) The business that I have the next day, I kissed Heather goodbye and headed to the airport. It was a long, turbulent flight to London, and once I texted Heather that it arrived safely, I took a taxi to the hotel, and slept for 12 hours. Next on the schedule was meeting after meeting after meeting. That sucked, to be honest. I Skyped with Heather a few times while I was gone, and every time I did, it seemed like she'd been eating something. One day it was a burger, another time it was a bowl of fettuccine alfredo, later it was a bag of chips. All stuff she would have never gone for before we started the weight loss plan on the last day I was in London as we skyped and Heather ate out of a Ben and Jerry's container I asked how the weight loss was going it's amazing she squealed and I lifted and no and lifted her shirt through the computer I lifted her shirt (laughs) I was dumbfounded it looked like she'd lost 20 pounds since I'd left Heather was never fat but she always carried a little extra weight around her middle nothing any doctor would consider excessive and, and something pretty much any guy would prefer just to be able to hold on to but it was all gone. How did you... okay. When is this like weight around the middle and something to hold on to? I'm picturing it. The like... handles. Yeah. You know, the handles. It I'm makes, a guy I've got handles. It makes it sound like the stomach though. It makes it sound like he's just like cradling your stomach. It is a little bit of the stomach though. It's it's you know, it's right above the hips. It's, right, you know, it's it's
1: where the stomach meets the hips. I'm just gonna I keep, know what he's saying. I know. What I he's, know. What he's, I know he's,
0: he's going. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> are, you, are you sure you want to go through the third phase of that lotion? I asked. You look amazing as it is. I want the handles back. <laughs> wa- A cloud of disappointment crossed Heather's face. Just one more day, she said. I want to see see it through. Besides, I've been so damn hungry lately. I'm worried I'll balloon up if I stop. I didn't have anything to say to that. If she'd been eating like she apparently had, I would have put on ten pounds in the first day or two. We said our goodbyes, and I went to sleep. And then she melted all of
1: her skin off.
0: (laughs) I arrived back home very late the following night. Heather was asleep, so I undressed in the dark and crept into bed. I could smell the new lotion on her. After about 20 minutes, I'd passed out. I felt Heather's hands on me rubbing, groping. It had been a while since we'd had anything resembling sex, so I was ready right away. How do you feel about reading something considered softcore? I'm excited. excited. (laughs) Continue. She pulled herself... Wait, no, okay. I'd been, uh, We rolled around for a little while. The slipperiness of her lotion adding a delicious, frictionless element to the mix. Ooh. She pulled herself on top of me and I felt her biting my lips and neck and ears before she whispered, I need to taste you. Oh no, she's gonna eat him! <laughs> and crawled down the bed. The, ravis- the ravenousness she exhibited on our Skype chats was nothing compared to the voraciousness she showed in the following minutes. I was helpless to do anything other than run my hands over her slippery back and thighs and marveled at how thin she'd gotten since the last time I'd felt her. Before long, I knew I had to stop her, so I pulled her up and kissed her mouth. She rode me as I felt the smooth slickness of her back and chest and butt. So much oily wetness and heat and hunger, I couldn't help myself. I lost myself in the moment. When I finally regained a semblance of wherewithal, Heather was still on top of me, still riding. I knew she'd orgasmed at least twice, but she wouldn't let up. I was starting to get uncomfortable. Her silhouette in the dark room was so much slighter than it had been over the years we'd been together. She looked like a new person. She felt like a new (laughs) person. As she ground against me and mewled with mindless pleasure, I stared at her shape. In the dark, I couldn't make out details, but gradually a cloud that had been including the moon moved away and I could see more. Just enough to realize something was very, very wrong. I wrenched my arm backward and slapped the light switch near the nightstand. Sc- night I screamed. Heather sat still on top of me, grinding back and forth. Her skin was bright red and streaked with veins. No, it—it it wasn't her skin. It's what had been behind her skin. The flesh was melting off her body. We were in a Call pool of it, living, greasy and pink, and so terribly. Heather was sucking her thumb, and she writhed against me, and I watched in horror. She pulled her oh, finger no. from her mouth, peeled back the thumbnail, and dragged her front teeth across the meat on its underside. Oh no, I don't like this. All right, I'm gonna tap out for a second one. <laughs> 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 dude, fingernail shit gets me.
1: Oh no, fingernail shit definitely gets me. Skin, uh, skin gets me. Uh. That scene. That scene
0: in, in uh,
1: Black Swan. Nine, Oh, I was gonna say black swan when she fucks with her fingernail and drags the skin all the way down her ah, finger. Dude. Fucking kills me.
0: The district you were gonna say Nine's, district nine. Where he like literally just starts peeling off all of his nails. It's, it's the yeah. worst. no. Um, nope. I'm so hungry, she gasped. It feels so good to eat again. Heather, stop, I shouted, and I went I went to push her off. <laughs> My hand passed right through the meat of her shoulder and I felt full of... <laughs> i felt the bones dislocate rather than scream with pain heather groaned with hideous pleasure she oh. took her free hand and pinched her left nipple it came off between her thumb and forefinger <laughs> panic overtook my desire to save my wife i bucked my hips to get heather away from me my it, wife <laughs> he just fucking flings her with a mess
1: her thrust. clit fell off <laughs> it worked
0: <laughs> i was able to get off the bed heather fell forward as I scrambled for the phone to call 911, she turned on her side towards me. She was bleeding badly from her thighs. My push appeared to have caused major damage. Oh, no. The dispatcher answered, and I babbled while Heather studied me, her eyelids drooping before falling onto the bed like fleshy moth's wings. The 911 operator was saying something, but I couldn't hear what it was. Heather was talking to me. Her voice was so weak. Did, did I do a bad job, Max? Did I do you not... Want me in anymore? Am I. Uh... The word was cut off when her lower jaw fell from her face. <laughs> her tongue lolled before also dropping onto the sheets. Her eyes darted back and forth a few times, and then she was still. I stared at the remains of Heather on our bed. Sirens pulsed in the distance my erection pulsed in the, in the foreground in the distance, <laughs> in the distance. <laughs> you're not ugly sweetheart I whispered to her tears cascading down my cheeks you'll never be ugly to me
1: I. it has a very like creep show tales from the dark side vibe and I, and I love it cause no writer makes me squirm like this guy does but I, I hate it at the same time.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, ugh. I just, I, ugh. it's my nightmare. You yeah, your skin really falling button. off. <laughs> like waking up next to someone who's actively melting. Yeah, and like running my hands <laughs> over them and being like, "Yes, this is good." The slipperiness. I've,
1: I've recently been rewatching the Hellraiser series with my buddy uh, Deputy Dewey, and uh, there's a lot of um, have you Have you ever seen any of the Hellraiser movies? No, that's with Pinhead, right? That is Pinhead. Yeah, I've not seen them. So the 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 main part of the first couple stories um, with Hellraiser are are actually. Um, Hellraiser's, is, uh, let's just call a security guard for hell Him and his Cenobite posse um, A guy escapes hell and finds a way to come back into our reality And the way he does it is through blood sacrifice And he starts to come back together in some really awesome special effects Specifically the first movie Um, Piece by piece, you know, his brain reforming on the ground, his his arms, you know, his his spinal column reconnecting itself to the brain, regrowing the muscles. There is really great special effects. And uh, I would say Uncle Frank and then uh, mother, you know, stepmom Julia in the second movie spend like half of the movie just as skinless people. And the special effects are so great. So, when you're describing a naked but skinless woman just riding a dude, Hellraiser is the first thing to come to mind because that shit nearly happens in that movie. So, if you want to visualize that shit, go watch Hellraiser 1 and 2.
0: The first thing I think of is there's this I don't know the context of this meme, but there's like a comic panel that's been clipped out of context. And yes. It's just a man with no skin, and he says, yes. "I've got no skin." And the other man says, "Sir, this is the scariest day of my life."
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like from one of those uh, from one of those health magazines.
0: <laughs> it's, it's from
1: Women's Daily Digest. Oh, it's amazing. Uh,
0: that that was a fun story, though. It was a fun story. I'm gonna say, this is the new best story. <laughs> we're evolving alright
1: so we are moving forward this is going to be the last story before we kind of break it down uh Allison's loss which you know I think coincides with the last one just a little bit uh you know weight loss but hopefully this is a different kind of loss because I don't want to be reading the same shit that you just read uh again unsettling stories really great give them a a look give them a read Allison's loss I am a nurse at the elementary school where my daughter Allison was a student. Was. It's great. Mm -hmm. Relocated to past tense. Super dead. The route to school would take us over a wide river which bisects the town. By necessity, we must use one of the two bridges. The main bridge is part of the highway while the other bridge is a smaller, narrower one for local traffic. We used to take the highway, but constant construction had narrowed the lanes by quite a bit, which resulted in awful backups. The timetable for completion was another couple years, so we were stuck taking the local one until the whole mess got taken care of. Allison was terrified of that bridge. The guardrails are quite low, maybe three feet. Also, there's no physical divider between the inbound and outbound lanes. Years ago, there was a terrible accident involving a drum driver who crossed into the other lane, struck another vehicle, and sent the both of them careening into the river below. Five people died, one of whom was May Daugherty, Allie's best friend. There was a bit of an uproar when the bridge was repaired and no new safety measure was implemented. The cost for upgrades, we were told, was simply too high for the town to bear. We were assured that the bridge was safe, and the accident, while tragic, didn't indicate an inherent problem with that particular crossing. Basically, we were told to suck it up and take the highway if we didn't like it. Following the death of May, Allie changed. Her bubbly, outgoing attitude became sullen and brooding. We did everything we could to help her cope with the devastating loss, but little was accomplished. Her therapist said it would take time. We have to be patient and allow Allie to grieve on her own terms. Even Allie's habit of talking to May over the course of the day was to be seen as a coping mechanism. A child's way of saying goodbye. Allie resumed school soon after May's funeral, and that was when the trouble started. To drive over the bridge with Allie in the car was to learn what it was like to be a torturer. My heart would break as she sobbed and pleaded with me to not take the bridge. If we were stopped at the light before crossing, she'd fumble with the door handle and try to get out, only to be stopped by the safety locks. Each day, she'd arrive at the school, a red-eyed, disheveled mess. No one, especially an innocent and kind nine-year-old, should have to start their day like that. So take the highway. What the fuck are you doing? It's like, yeah, like, I mean, uh, as like, a parent, oh, you should just wake up a little bit earlier and, you know, make your kid's life a little bit happier. I hate to have to do it, but what am I going to do? Deal with traffic? Am I right? Uh, just see me. Traffic. Just see <laughs> My indignation and dismay didn't change anything. Those rides to school were some of the worst moments of my life. Allie would sob in the back backseat and call out to May, begging her to come back and keep the bridge safe for us and everyone else. And when we'd reach the other side, Allie would weep and mumble to May about what was going on at school, and how everyone else in their class missed her. The only saving grace was that we could take the highway bridge on the way home. Traffic was usually light at that time. I couldn't imagine having to subject Allie to the local bridge more than once a day. I doubt she'd ever get anything done at school, if she had that to look forward to when she left. On March 12, 2014, Allie came to the breakfast table with a smile on her face. I almost dropped my coffee mug when I saw her. It was as if the daughter I'd lost finally come home. She was chipper, talkative. She mentioned a spelling test her class was going to have and how her teacher promised a cupcake to the student at the highest grade. Her friend Christina was the best speller in the class and Allie was so excited for her to win the cupcake. Allie talked and talked and while she ate her eggs and I got ready for work. I could scarcely believe the improvement she was exhibiting. We finished up our morning routines and got in the car, and Allie always insisted on sitting in the back after May's accident, but that day she got up into the front with me. We pulled out of the driveway and headed for school. There were no signs of concern on Allie's face as we got closer to the bridge. She chatted with me most of the time, but began informing May about the spelling test cupcake event that she'd told me earlier. May had also been close with Christina, so apparently it was very important that Ally fill her in on their friends impending good fortune. We stopped at the light at the intersection ahead of the bridge. The light turned green, and I drove forward, waiting for Ally to realize where we were going and start crying. The office had happened. She began to giggle. The gleeful, musical sound I'd missed so much. As she laughed, she talked to May. May, look how blue the water is. I'm so glad it's almost spring, and it feels a lot warmer now, doesn't it? I bet the water's still cold, though. Is it cold? Does it bother you? I glanced over at Allie and saw her staring at the water on the other side of the guardrail. She kept talking. I don't mind the cold too much as long as there's no ice, but I don't see any ice. There's no ice, right? No, there's no ice. The reply came from the back seat I whipped my head around and saw a figure in the back seat behind Allie it was grey, dripping with a hideous indentation in its skull and a Y incision in its chest green blonde hair cascaded over its bruised bony shoulders May. I gasped and turned back toward the road only to see a car stopped dead in front of me
0: Classic. I slammed on the
1: brakes and swerved Our car hit the guardrail and the vehicle in front of us pushing the front of our car up onto the rail. Allie was still smiling, apparently unhurt, and whatever I'd seen in the backseat was gone. I reached out for Allie to make sure she was okay, but an impossibly powerful jolt slammed through the car as another vehicle hit us from behind at full speed. The jarring sensation of the collision was replaced by a sickening slow lurch as our position shifted from being half on the guardrail, half on the low sports car that had been in front of us, to a gradual, helpless topple over the rail into a free fall. I couldn't scream. I saw the water rushing toward the windshield in a surreal, sunlit haze, and the moment before we hit the river, I glanced sideways at Allie. Her eyes were closed, and a smile was etched across her face. Nothing but the impossibility of the situation registered with me, so when I saw a grey hand reaching from the back seat and unlocking my daughter's seatbelt, I felt a little more than acknowledgement. Then we impacted. I felt my collarbone splinter behind my seatbelt. Pain and shock blinked white in my vision and the breath was torn from my lungs. The car righted itself in the water and began to sink. Allie was embedded up to her neck in the windshield and was dangling over the dashboard and the useless, flaccid airbag. A pile of skin and hair had been pushed down to her shoulders and the water rushing in around her was tinged with red. I have no words for what I felt upon seeing her like that. I struggled to get out of the sinking car, but knew I'd have to wait for it to fill before I could open the door. I wasn't strong enough to break the window with my shattered collarbone. Made it impossible to try. We sank. The car hit the river bottom right when it had filled enough to let me open the door, and I gulped in the last bit of air, unlocked my seatbelt, and swam out and around to Allie's side. The devastation to her face and head despite being blurred by the water still haunts me to this day. When I reached her side and tried opening the locked door, I knew there was no way I could go back around, unlock it, and try to extricate her. My lungs burned, I felt hot tears leaking out of my eyes, and I began to swim up, knowing if I didn't move fast, I'd succumb to hypothermia and die with my daughter. Part of me wished I had the courage to do so. As I swam, I stared down at the wreck, and then I saw something that made me stop kicking. Another person was standing next to the car. I could see greenish-blonde hair floating in a cloud around her gray head. It was May. She wrenched open the door and, with one powerful pull, removed Allie from the windshield. Blood bloomed from her head like the spores of a decapitated mushroom. The girls looked up, my vision blurred and my feet automatically started kicking again as my body fought to bring me to the surface. I kept watching, my head breached a moment later but not before I saw. The something, something I've told my husband, my doctors, my minister, and everyone else who might listen. May and Allie joined hands and began to walk across the muddy bottom of the river in the direction of the lake it fed into. While they walked, Allie turned around to face me, and with her skull
0: grinning, waved goodbye. Very good, very good. Very solid. What's what's your what's I I want to know, where's where's it rank? <sighs>
1: that's
0: that's tough because for me
1: that that read almost like a uh, like a Stephen King short. You know, like how he he talks about the dead in Pet Cemetery, kind of the same way that the mother just talked about May. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I liked that one the most. But but something was very eloquent about how short it was at the same time. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's,
0: it's not longer than it needed to be. There's no fat to trim, you know? That's good. <laughs> it's a solid little story right there. I liked that.
1: Un- unlike Heather. Got a lot of fat to trim on that bitch. Oh,
0: <laughs> that <dammit>. slimy, slimy <laughs> cuck. Uh, you look great, just like when we got married, and you were <laughs> skinless and oil. red like a nice steak. <laughs>
1: uh, when when we put them head to head, what do you what do you think of for creepy pastas?
0: Wouldn't you're still creep- a Jesse Mack fan, aren't you? For the two creepy pastas, it's gotta be <laughs> yeah. Jesse Mack. They <laughs> look, they're both they're both like the worst of the the, <laughs> spirits, right? the the two creepypastas are definitely like five and six by any metric however for me Jesse Mack will always be number one so I, I can't I do have to <laughs> Oh
1: shit!
0: I do have okay to sleep
1: okay those. which which is the best for you out of
0: the no sleeps um I think I liked honestly I, I think I liked uh, yours better Betsy Betsy the doll I do think I like Betsy's better than than Mr. Grab. I like, <laughs> yeah, I liked Mr. Grab's.
1: That's not. It's not a detriment to the judgment. Um, I do think Betsy at all was, was a better story, essentially. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes to the last two, I'm gonna have to go with Allison's loss. What about you?
0: I think, if, which one made me more uncomfortable that's Heather's that's <laughs> that's how how faces which, which one is the better story that's yeah yeah. I agree Allison's loss is probably the best one we read and
1: tonight. then out of all of them that we read which, you're, which are you going with? you're going with Jesse Mack
0: I think okay my personal favorite is Jesse <laughs> Mack I think the best story the best story is the one that you just read Allison's loss is the best story that we read tonight
1: so I I love that you have this this dual notion of <laughs> of what you're going back and forth with in your head. Um I I think you would enjoy um my friend Django's episodes. You you and him seem to seem to kind of operate on the same level whereas you you the satisfaction you get out of something awful <laughs>
0: It's exquisite. Kind
1: of, it kind it's... of it succeeds anything with even the most craft you know put into it.
0: Yeah, know? it's absolutely exquisite. I love bad <laughs> art. Bad bad art is worth all of the mediocre art in the world, and the good art's fine. Like of course you want to have you want to have the good art too, but bad, genuinely reprehensibly bad art. Is why I get up in the morning. It's what brings me joy.
1: <laughs> I would say I would say there are definitely some some really bad stories in this show that people genuinely like. Uh, we we specifically read um, the world's worst Harry Potter fan fiction in one of our episodes, which is My Immortal. Yes, um, we read A- that.
0: Four excellent. of us read
1: that on it's, the show. That,
0: that is an excellent story. That's really uh, good. It,
1: it really (laughs) oh it's so long though it took like two and a half hours to tell the entire story it's the only it's the only episode of the show where we don't have we don't have any pre-talk we don't have any after talk we literally just go into the story each of us reading for characters
0: god damn that's i i assumed you would have broken that up over a few episodes
1: Nope, just one. We wanted to steamroll through it. Oh god, that sounds okay. Okay. I respect (laughs) that. And all of us hated it.
0: (laughs) I respect that. Yeah, of
1: course you of course you Uh, did. But at the same time, you know, it it makes it makes for an enjoyable listen.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. No, I I remember stumbling across that recently too. I hadn't heard about it until less than a year ago. Um, and it's been kicking around for a lot longer than that, from what I've It
1: absolutely has.
0: I, yeah, no. Just perfect. I love spelling errors, grammatical errors. There's a there's a few blogs that I follow. Um, of, and I think I'm one of like maybe half a dozen people, a dozen people who follow either of these two people. And I only follow them because they're like friends of friends of friends. And I've stumbled across them and they write really poorly. Um, and so they're probably thrilled that they're getting like a click right on their, sure. on their blog but they have no idea that it's just like some maladapted like shit boy sitting like <laughs> half, half a world <laughs> away just like fucking like yeah rubbing his hands together and cackling you sit down with like a nice drink you know <laughs> you, you get like a nice pillow and then you
1: scroll up on their page and you just read what you would consider like like great great reading material
0: Ugh. <sighs> Yeah, there's just too much. There's too too much mediocre stuff. Everyone's making things. It's cool. It's fine. It's good. Express yourself. But like, I, I, I love people who can't seem to do it well. <laughs> it's got to be sincere too. You know, it's, I I don't. Oh like purposefully
1: bad things just they they try yeah. too hard. I think no, it's easy it's... to I think it's easy to see that. Um, that's the difference between what we that's the difference between like Jesse Mac and like Troll Pasta. Like I, I don't think I'm ever going to read Troll Pasta with you because it's genuinely that that stupid try hard material. I I would much rather us stumble upon something For you know sure. much much like our first story where just aspects of it were just so bad. <laughs> um, but all in all I did like the Bible camp story um, you know it's it's just so, something about creepypasta like no sleep like this culture just brings out <laughs> anyone who thinks they can be a fictional writer and, yeah. and they really just sit down and hammer out their life's work and, and you know sometimes you get Jesse Mack
0: Jesse Mac, so. Jesse
1: Mack. <laughs> Mack. You're walking away Mack. with the Jesse Mack uh, trophy tonight. Um, I'm going
0: to make the paraphernalia. I'm going to become Matt punching <laughs> all of my walls and play for a couple of, like, heroin-addled <laughs> middle-aged I guess it's people. good that
1: we live a couple states away then <laughs> because I don't want to have to deal with that shit.
0: I'm, I'm going to
1: hear I'll, about it. You need to, if, if any material is developed, you need to send it to me so I could lose my mind.
0: I'm going to... Um, how about this? I'm going to throw up a, a Jesse Mac reference in my next uh, in my next YouTube video. No one will understand. Yes. But I will Yes, use, I'll, I'll, um, I'll fit it in somewhere.
1: I I hate that you would do that, but I <laughs> but I'm also going to thank you for doing that. Um again, Ramsey's Vanderslice, wonderful having you on the show. Um happy to have you back. How did you feel about the smattering versus the single story? Where do you think you land?
0: Um, I different strokes for different folks. You know, it depends on the night. I think mostly I like longer stories because it allows writers to go wrong in more ways. <laughs> That's very true. It's, it's The smaller it's the way, page,
1: the smaller page count, less less road to to you know to creativity.
0: Yeah. Well, and also it's just like you. It, you never get to the point where like you're like, what do I write now? And that's when people write their worst stuff. It's when they feel like they need more. <laughs> when to they're the in story a corner, <laughs> and they and they just have to keep writing. So that's that's sort of like my my favorite. But I like also very condensed pieces of fiction too, because it allows you to to really succinctly pick it apart and see how it works.
1: Yeah, so. I mean that that is that is the. The difference between these mm-hmm. two episodes we we don't get to necessarily grow with any of these characters but we do get to kind of look at them on a on a bigger lens because it is just what it is you know there is no there is no grand overarching theme or no, yeah. analysis there there is only what what exists on the page and and sometimes it's jesse mac
0: sometimes it's just is jesse fucking <laughs> mac
1: so uh Given giving another shout out to Ramses Vanderslice, go check out his YouTube. Um he's been doing a series where he's uh basically uh walking us around the void that he exists in. Um I'm I'm enjoying the series, so I, I do hope that you continue to teach us more about the void and, and yeah, what spacious here. Left void, right void. I wanna see more of right void. I feel like we only uh, talked about it a little bit.
0: Yeah, I didn't it's not um we don't really talk about right void too much. There's nothing much to see over there. Left void is really where it all everything else is. Where it's all
1: at, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and and I appreciate uh, you coming. You know, f- recording with us from the void. I hope this has brought you um, a minute amount of, of pleasure uh, to experience something that wasn't just the void. Um, yeah, hu-
0: human contact is um is nice. Doctors <laughs> have, have said that. <laughs> to uh, to people over the course of their lives, so I, I tend to believe them. It's been it's been nice for me too. You know, it's a, it's a good time. I'm glad you had me on. Uh, Ramses,
1: any any last words? Anything you want to leave our listeners with?
0: uh Everyone should watch Splash. That's <laughs> so all I have to say.
1: land until we stand at the shore, at the shore.